Hi again, and welcome to The Last Call. I am so happy with the response all of you gave me for the first chapter of Last Call. I really enjoyed the trip down memory lane. (laughs) Remembering is a great medicine. I don't know who said that, but they were very good. This week's podcast is all about Hollywood. My reaction to the generosity of Henry Mancini and the many music professionals along the way. Once again, I'm going to be my guest as I tell stories about the people who made the late 60s and the 70s and the 80s my time in show business's wonderful spotlight. This is Last Call with Jim McCrell. Jim explores each guest's story to find the key to their success and the pitfalls along the way. These dialogues usually spoken privately and in confidence, but the guests are willing to tell all of the secrets to their success and the detours along the journey that made them nearly almost give up. Here is Jim McCrell with the last call for today's guest. Thank you, Joe Ford. What a great talent and what a a truly wonderful friend. As I was preparing this podcast, the doorbell rang and there was a FedEx man with a package. I hadn't ordered anything, so the delivery was a complete surprise. I accepted the package and hurried into the office to open it and find out who had sent it. I couldn't believe it. The package was from Catherine Williams, the widow of one of television and movies' brightest composers, Pat Williams. There are two things that I have great respect for because I'm hapless when it comes to mechanical things, you know, like Mr. Fix-It, too bad, Dad can't do it, can't do much more than change a light bulb. So I have a deep respect for those who can. The mechanically endowed always thrilled me. And I've been surrounded by those people all of my life. Most of my family, my uncles, my nephews, my nieces, my wife's father, my sons, my daughters can fix or build anything. Not me. Once I took apart a bicycle and put it back together and had 12 pieces left over. I don't have to add, it wouldn't work. No riding on these hot wheels. Mark them off to a bumbling, fumbling person who swore not to tear up another bicycle in hopes of being the repair maven. Listen, my two girls are better fixers than me, and they are wonderful. So I have much respect and admiration for the handy. And the other craft that has eluded me is music. Many people have asked me if I could play an instrument, and I'm very quick to say yes. I'm a hell of a player on a phonograph or record player, and I'm a virtuoso on radios. I mean, I'm skilled in turning on a transistor, a boombox, a car radio, all kinds of instruments that bring the airways to our ears. I'm not so good, however, if these radios break or have a glitch. My answer is throw them away, get new, and forget about trying to repair them. 
If you think my skills in repair and fixing up something are limited, then you really need to hear me try to pick out one note at a time on a piano. Which brings me back to the excitement of getting my surprise package from Catherine Williams. As I climb into the sled that whisks us away down memory lane, the gift from Catherine primed my senses into all the wonderful time spent with Pat. As I've said many times, Henry Mancini has been so instrumental, uh, no pun intended, in so many people's lives and careers Pat Williams is an example of the musical greats that came through the doors of Henry's office in the Sunset and Vine Tower on the 10th floor. Pat was a mainstay at the office, and as his star brightened, he ended up being a dear friend, tennis partner, and confidant. Pat and I shared many, many friends, and it was always a pleasure to be with him as he recorded or performed. That's why I list Pat Williams as my second most favorite composer right after the wonderful Henry Mancini. Pat was more of a friend as the years rolled on. He was a great tennis partner, as I said, mainly because he could really play. And he was left-handed, which made his wicked serve even harder to return. Laughter was the keynote of being around Pat. Many musicians who know have said that he added humor to a lot of his arrangements and compositions. So did Henry. If you don't believe me, listen to Henry's famed Baby Elephant Walk, or anything from Blake Edwards' hilarious movie The Party. Pat had that same musical sense of humor. In fact, Pat was such a fan of humor, he ended up writing with a fellow friend of ours and songwriter of note, Kelly Gordon. Much more about crazy and talented Kelly later, but Kelly's stock as a songwriter soared with the release of his monumentous song, That's Life. He and Pat wrote and probably laughed and giggled as much as they did serious writing. Heck, I even recorded a Kelly Gordon song for Epic called Love Took My Heart and Stomped That Sucker Flat. (laughs) That ditty sure didn't make the top 40. I think my record ranked right next to my other recording of a song called Get Smart under the name of Dr. J. Paul Goodbreath. Nah, don't try to look it up. I'm sure all of the copies have been squired away into Never Never Land. Pat and I spent a wonderful weekend at his mountain cabin in Tehachapi, California, playing golf all day and drinking red wine accompanied by some really good music. That was before my life reminded me that alcohol and I weren't good companions. It took a lot of heartbreak before I got to play Coda to my drinking, all thanks to AA's famous advice of live one day at a time. But that's another story for another podcast. Believe you me, my life changed dramatically when I admitted that I had a problem that only my higher power and I could address. That, too, is for another time. 
But names like Pat Williams, Kelly Gordon, Al Schmidt, Ron Bledsoe, and of course Dave Pell, Dave Axelrod, H.B. Barnum, Lou Rawls, oh my goodness, the list that would fill a podcast for years to come were everyday occurrences in my life. Oh, the view from sunset and vine towers and the tenth floor. Just a floor above on 11, How's the offices of Johnny Mathis, a really wonderful friend and a collaborator of Henry's. In fact, Johnny toured with Henry often. And as this podcast goes along, there's a funny story involving Johnny, Henry, my wife Kathy, and our friends Mike and Ross crew here in Houston. Good laughs and great memories. I remember a story Pat told me about his time in New York especially writing music for commercials. He was in a meeting with the Advertising Whiz Kids to discuss the music for an upcoming commercial they were planning. One of the ad guys asked Pat this simple question. What note are you going to start with? A bewildered Pat stared at him and said, Which note would you like? Much to Pat's amazement, the ad guy got up walked over to the piano, plunked one finger on the keys at a time, and finally landed on a particular key and said very proudly, How about this one? Pat said, Okay, but tell me why you picked that particular key or note. The ad genius proudly said, When my wife and I pick out songs together, we end up on that note. The sound in the room was so silent, it squeaked. (laughs) I mean, please, as Joan Rivers would say, can we talk? I don't think Frank Sinatra asked Pat what note he would start with on the many, many arrangements Pat did for the best pop singer in America. In keeping with the story, I started out about my fascinating appreciation for people who can do things, craftsmen, as well as tunesmiths. I'm reminded of an evening Kathy and I spent with one of my heroes, Jerry Fuller, and his wife, Annette. I was both a fan and a friend of Jerry's. His musical resume was long and celebrated. I don't know if you were aware, but Jerry Fuller was responsible for bringing Glenn Campbell to Los Angeles, and they remained friends throughout Glenn's life. There is so much to Jerry's life and career that I hope I get a chance to get together with him and visit all of the great things in Jerry's life on a podcast in the future. Boy, would that be fun. Now, back to the story. As Kathy and I walked up to the front door of the Fuller home, I was very impressed by the ornate front door in ebony black with carved features from top to bottom. I was really impressed, and when Jerry answered the door, I couldn't wait to tell him how wonderful I thought the door was. He smiled and said, thank you, and then he added, which floored me, I finished carving that several weeks ago, and I'm happy you like it. I couldn't get my mouth closed. He made it? Here was a Grammy-winning producer, singer, musician, and now I had to add to my list of accomplishments I heaped on him, woodworker extraordinaire? Hmm. 
I also remember the time at Columbia Records studio when Jerry was recording the group he found performing in a bowling alley in San Diego and wrote many great hits for him, Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. The song Jerry was recording with them was a huge hit for the group. It was called Young Girl. Jerry wrote most of the songs for the Union Gap, and believe me, he could sing them as well as the group could. He was a stellar person in my life, a kid from Fort Worth, Texas, who started out singing with his brother Bill, the Fuller Brothers, Many a hot Sunday in churches in central Texas, the boys performed. Jerry later went out on his own, and the rest is musical history. I can still hear his voice on one of his very first hits, Betty My Angel. As I think back on so many of the great musical people who most of America only knows as record performers or concert performers, They had many facets to their personality and lives. I'm thinking of one record producer in particular who treated me with great respect and influenced my appreciation of music greatly. Oh, the things I learned from him. David Axelrod, a producer for Capitol Records. And we had many, many great times together outside of music, David was L.A. born and bred talent. He excelled in jazz as both an artist and an arranger. David passed away in April of 2017, I might add. The song has ended, but the melody lingers on. Writers who covered the L.A. music beat heralded Dave's ability to blend jazz and blues, and a lot of his influence was directly attributed to the genius of Heidel Brown Barnum, a kid from Houston, Texas, who literally became a musical voice of the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. It was his collaboration with Dave Axelrod that brought him great fame. H.B., as he was called, started out as a child actor, winning a nationwide talent contest at the age of four and starring in a film Valley of the Sun Marches On. He continued his young acting career on TV and the Amos and Andy show, the Jack Benny show, made his first solo recording in 1950. He was a major influence in the recording industry, and in later life, H.B. wrote the charts for Count Basie, O.C. Smith, Frank Sinatra, The Supremes, Aretha Franklin, Gladys Knight and her pips, and most especially, Lou Rawls. I'll never forget the evening at being with a Lou Rawls recording session with Dave. Dave was in the control room and HB was conducting the band in the middle of the summer with the temperature reaching scorching degrees for Hollywood. It was holiday time with Lou Rawls' Christmas album. Mmm, was that good. I never tire of listening to Lou's records and remembering all of the talents that made his recordings so great. It could have been different, however. Yeah, Dave, H.B., and Lou and I had a near miss with an activity outside of the music world. 
And as I have said, we became close during those years. In fact, at Dave's house in the San Fernando Valley, the four of us started discussing quail hunting. (laughs) Now, this was long before I really got into bird dogs. But (laughs) at the time, we were, uh, well, neophytes. And why we started discussing quail hunting, I don't know. Well, neither of us or any of us were what you would call a wildlife huntsman. But we decided to try our hands at pursuing the feathered game in the Angeles Forest Mountains. This wasn't a group who would end up on sports field. This was just four guys who figured, why not? What can it hurt? We decided that this great bird hunt would be on for the next day, and we would all meet at Dave's house about five in the morning and head out for the great hunt. We picked Placerita Canyon as the entry point into the great outdoors. None of the four of us had ever been hiking or hunting in the Angeles Mountains. The rugged terrain was unknown to us, but undaunted, we parked our car and headed up into the wilds. I later discovered that it takes a real good bird dog to find quail in these mountains, mainly because the dog can go where humans can't and find birds where you would least suspect was their habitat. Rugged isn't even close to what this mountain area offered. Crevices and gullies and drop-offs and boulders were everywhere. It was nearing daylight as we climbed higher and higher into the mountainside. Remember, we all are carrying shotguns, weapons that none of us really knew a lot about. The ground was rocky and the morning didn't afford much light. Lou was in front as we approached a drop-off that fell about 50 feet down a gully. Lou eased himself over to the edge, and to our horror, the loose soil gave way. Lou's shotgun flew out of his hands and landed barrel pointing up between his legs as he slid down this steep ravine. We were, and I'm going to use the words correctly, scared shitless. Oh, my God. Thankfully, Lou had clicked on the safety as we watched the great star slide down this steep crevice with a 12-gauge shotgun bouncing off the rocks between his legs. Needless to say, us big game hunters quickly headed back to the parking area and headed to the nearest Denny's to gulp some coffee and promise each other that we would never do such a foolish thing again. (laughs) I'm proud to report Lou survived and recorded many, many hit records. But I don't think he ever went quail hunting again. Sadly, Lou passed away in 2006, and Dave shortly thereafter in 2017. I believe H.B.'s still alive, but I'm sure he doesn't want to go quail hunting in the Rocky Angeles Forest again either. Capitol Records, where we all met, was housed in the iconic building on Vine just before the open ramp to the 101 Hollywood Freeway, a true landmark that is as much a part of Hollywood 
as the Hollywood sign. It was founded as the first West Coast-based record label of note in the United States in 1942 by Johnny Mercer, Buddy De Silva, and Glenn Wallachs. Since our offices were just down Vine towards sunset, I spent a lot of time in the building with music executives like the head of A&R, Carl Ingerman. Oh, the history of that fabulous place. It's often referred to as the house Nat King Cole built, but the list of famous names associated with capital is endless. In my time, the lettermen were huge as was Lou Rawls, like I said before, and the list includes Peggy Lee, Frank Sinatra, Cannonball Adderley, the Andrew Sisters, Bobby Darren, and no list would be complete without this name, the Beatles. <laughs> I got a chance to add to that fabulous list in the early 1967, when my friend Kelly Gordon became a producer at Capitol, Kelly's arrival as an A&R producer took a big leap up when he signed an artist I sent to him to a recording contract. Well, that story, and it's very, very interesting, will be the kickoff for our podcast number three. I certainly hope that you join us. I'm really having a good time, and I hope you're learning some things. This is, of course, Last Call. And this is Jim McCrell. You've been a part of Jim McCrell's Last Call. Any opinions or views expressed by the guest do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Last Call host or staff. Last Call is a creation of Fernhurst Productions. Join us next week. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button to stay informed of the next guest who will answer the last call. Before you run, let me sneak in here for one more minute. I've got to thank my fabulous Max Serla for the music, of course, Joe Ford, and my daughter Katie, who edits and produces everything we do. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. See if they would like to tune in. Tune in. Yeah, I'm tired. Tune in. Anyway, thank you so much. These are wonderful times for me to share these stories, and I certainly hope you get a chance to enjoy them here on The Last Call.